My name is Olga Medvedkov, and I am a geographer. Uh, I'm re I retired five or six years ago, time is flying, from Wittenberg University, which is in Springfield, Ohio. It's not in Germany. Um, and um, so I'm a retired prof. And right now I'm volunteering at the zoo and in some other uh, places. So I switched to animals, but amazingly enough, I'm talking to people all the time there. So I just continue talking. There was this four minute warning the government would give if there was a nuclear threat. Four minutes to find her children to say goodbye. We knew there was this place called Greenham Common with foreign missiles on our soil. We had to do something. We knew we were crazy, but we had to do it. All these women with one purpose had come together. This is the story of the ordinary women who helped end the Cold War. The arms race was between two powers. You can't just focus on one without looking at the other. It's a dance. I said, I think we should go to Russia. There was this group in the Soviet Union. They were the Russian counterparts of the Greenham women. The government and KGB consider us dissidents. And there's a car behind us with all these guys just looking at us. I've never had a tail before. That was the first time when I was really scared. There are consequences. I thought about my children. For a moment, you thought that you'd failed. We have to bring it back to the nuclear weapons. Whatever campaign we had, we'd started it and it had to continue. You can't just stay at home. You have to go, says to Len Park. We were much, much closer to nuclear war than with the Cuban Missile Crisis. The risks of doing nothing were greater than the risks of doing something. If you want to change something in the world, then you just go ahead. Don't wait for directions. If you always do as you're told, then you don't ever change anything. These women changed our future. That is a trailer from the documentary Mothers of the Revolution, and this is Factual America. We're brought to you by Alamo Pictures, an Austin and London-based production company making documentaries about America for international audiences. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Each week, I watch a hit documentary and then talk with the filmmakers and their subjects. This week, it is my great honor to welcome Olga Medvedkov, one of the subjects of Mothers of the Revolution. The documentary released last month about the Grenham common women who helped to bring an end to the Cold War. Olga, welcome to Factual, Factual America. How are things with you? Uh, thank you. I'm really glad to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you. Um, so in your introduction, you, uh, you introduced yourself as a geographer, a Correct. retired geographer uh, and volunteer, but... Um, uh, I don't think this film is about you being a geographer and a uh, uh, a retiree. This is about uh, the role you played uh, in the uh, back in during the Cold War and this. Well, I'm sure you got started more in the '70s, but '70s and '80s. Um, so maybe you can tell our you know 
tell our uh, audience, many of them were born after this all happened. Um, what, why, what was your involvement? What is, why, why have you been asked to be part of this, uh, this great documentary? Well, I've been asked to be part of this documentary because I happen to be involved in some actions with Greenham Common women. Uh, we, I joined together with my husband and some other friends and colleagues independent peace movement in the Soviet Union, mm -hmm. but independent in Soviet Union uh, was not compatible. You couldn't be independent in anything. We worked in Academy of Sciences, both geographers, and the idea was if nobody told you from the top that mm. you have to go with red banners on the streets, why would you do that? Or any other banners or any other slogans. Mm. So our independence was really, um, really ignited a lot of um, um, negative uh, attention from the government and from the KGB. And we've been pretty much, the last straw for us was invasion of the Soviets into Afghanistan. And of mm. course, the interpretation and in newspapers and everywhere was that it was a brotherhood help and, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. And we just realized that we cannot just sit quiet. We have to do something because Soviets had official Soviet Peace Committee, which was not uh, by any means a grassroots organization. It was set up from the top. Members of that committee were uh, members of KGB. Their, uh, uh, their, their main person in that committee was, I don't remember, colonel or general at KGB, mm. uh, pretty high ranking guy. So Greenham Common Women started their activity pretty much at the same time when we joined this independent group, which was called Trust Builders or Group for Building Trust between East and West. Because we've been determined that they cannot deal with uh, disarmament if sides just don't trust each other. Why would I lay down my weapons if I think that you should first? So we, you have to create people-to-people -people diplomacy. And of course, in Soviet content, it was like absolutely impossible. What people? People do what the government mm -hmm. uh, tell them to do. But we just saw that we hadn't been critical of the Soviet uh, government. That would be no way to go. But we just wanted to do something on our own. Politicians doing their stuff and people doing their stuff. Uh, and it's pretty much what was done by Green and Common Women. Mm. Uh, in, in our group start functioning in summer 82, and they also start organizing in 81 and 82 when three women in Wales got together in their kitchen and said, enough is enough. We don't want those nuclear missiles on our soil because we are the target we would be suffering from that. Let's get together and try to stop it. And initially it looked like this proposition going nowhere. It's just been mm. few women. 
And it was a long march uh, to get to Grimman Common Base from Wales. And um, as you saw from the film, this movement was growing and growing like it grew into tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, women initially, by the end it's been all citizens to resist this nuclear buildup. Um, at some point, yeah, in, in many instances, mass media have been presenting green and common women as, you know, they create a nuisance, they're saboteurs, what can you do? Mm -hmm. Soviets also target, targeting us and da, 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 da. And I remember how very prominent um, British historian E.P. Thompson suggested them, mm -hmm. he said, you can't really do it just on one side. You have to reach Russians. Mm -hmm. You have to go and make contacts. And it wasn't easy. First of all, financially, they've been so poor. I remember reading the book by Anne Petit about that and also watching this movie when they wanted to chain themselves to the, uh, uh, to the base, they had money only to chain three people. They just didn't have money to chain yeah. 30 people. You know, that was really tough financially to get money to go to the Soviet Union. Secondly, camps been different around Green and Common. Green and common. Uh, some people thought, well, why would you go to the Soviet Union? You want to reach those independent trust builders. You'll just make Soviet government angry. We don't need this kind of uh, commotion. Um, so anyway, in order to come to the Soviet Union, these women had to get um, uh, official invitation from the Soviet Peace Committee, right. which they did. Is, it's a very long answer to your question. Well, no, there's, it's, 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 it's a, you can, I, 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 I don't think you're ever going to stop, uh, Olga, but I think, uh, um, I think, well, this is all, no, it's all very interesting. I think, and, and one thing I wanted to ask you though, uh, getting back to even to the, almost the very beginning here was you could have easily, you know, your husband was an, you know, your academics, some of you are scientists, you're a geographer, you could have, by Soviet standards, you could have had a comfortable life, right? But you chose, right. you know, and you probably have thought of that a few times, but you chose to, to, I mean, I think you make a point in the film, you're, you weren't dissidents, you weren't like, you know, a lot of people talk about Soviet dissidents as you were more... We haven't you, been against, we've yeah, been You were peace activists you were trying to promote this dialogue right. and yet but even that is enough to draw the negative attention of right. of, of the kremlin and the and the authorities uh so what what motivated you i mean i know you said afghanistan was the final straw but you could have you could have said you could have had that attitude that many had that there's not much we can do how can one or just a handful of people change the system, but but you didn't. You went ahead and what, what was motivating you to, to, uh, to do something I like that? I think that Afghanistan was the last straw uh, because you live in a society when human life 
means nothing. When a human being is nobody, it's only masses. You cannot have your own opinion. You cannot express it. You have to um, raise your children in this double thinking. My mom mm -hmm. used to tell our son, Misha, you're not telling anybody what you're listening at home because they're just <laughs> dangerous and the walls have ears and all yeah. this kind of stuff. And also, you know, uh, you live in Orwellian society. Yeah. Of course, you can comply. And 99% do because yeah. it's uh, just dangerous. But 1% doesn't. Hmm. And I guess we belong to that one yeah. tiny percent. And a lot of my friends, when I got in all kind of problems with KGB, was, they frame, framed up me, um, put me on a trial when I was pregnant. Uh, a lot of friends been asking, what are you doing? You have children. I had son at that time and I was pregnant with my daughter. And I said, well, I'm doing it for my children, just like yeah. Greenham Common Women. Exactly. You know, yeah. they've been doing it for their children, for our children, for everybody's children. And and how did how did you end up getting in touch with the uh, Greenham Common Women? I mean, and that's interesting. I wish we had internet at that time, but probably it would be cut off from our apartment anyway, because <laughs> yeah. even. Our telephone was cut off and our mailbox was arrested. I just by the word of the mouse. Uh, when we started our movement, we invited journalists, foreign journalists mm -hmm. and Soviet journalists. Of course, Soviets never showed up. And that's how it started. It was also amazing that the day when we uh, announced our existence, uh, Daniel Ellsberg arrived on rainbow boat to Leningrad Harbor, uh, also advocating, you know, nuclear mm -hmm. disarmament and things like that. So we kind of happened to be on the same page in uh, foreign newspapers. Of course, nothing was about either event in Soviet newspapers. Uh, so that's how it started. Then uh, we just, I, I got, it's such a, it was such a long time ago, just mm. little by little journalists yeah. been reaching us, which wasn't easy because our telephone was cut off or I was reaching them when members of our group been arrested and the word spread out and uh, it, it was interesting geography because British and French and Belgian and American and uh, Australian uh, peace activists knew about us, but for example, we never had people, uh, peace activists from Poland or East Germany, which been much closer right. geographically, right. but it was a stone wall. It was an iron curtain yeah. between us. If we wanted to pass something to East Germany, we've been trying to do it through West Germany. And uh, that, that was really, um, mm -hmm. Uh, uh, unusual um, geography, but when Green and Common, yeah, they heard about us. Um, I don't know, maybe from the journalists. Uh, we've also been on uh, newspapers and Amnesty International. 
Casey Fitzpatrick also part of, uh, she's one of the interviewees in this film, uh, was spreading out the word. So anyway, they decided to reach to us. And they came to Moscow, it was summer of 83. And long story short, which is kind of difficult to do anyway, uh, they said, Olga, we invited to Soviet Peace Committee. Would you like to go with us? I said, sure. I just uh, two days ago heard on was Voice of America or BBC that uh, members of Soviet Peace Committee, when they've been asked about our existence, they said, oh, it's a mirage of Western propaganda. Mm. They don't exist. I said, oh, it's just getting on my nerves. We are doing good things and they don't yeah. even want to acknowledge that we exist. But I said, uh, we actually look very good in this film, but Greenham Common Women, they've been like all in t-shirts and with uh, peace <laughs> badges and their hair been a little bit messy. I said, um, let me, I don't like not to be let in. Yeah. Who does? Uh, let me put t-shirt and I put all those badges. We had a lot of them from all over the world. I mess up my hair a little bit and here we go. Yeah. So we went and um, the only person who was happened to be um, a doctor of mathematics, so she could count. She said, oh, we've been told it's three of you, but it's four of you. And NPT said, but our movement is growing every minute. And uh, they've been applauding, of course, of course, like so, like smiling and all this stiff bureaucratic faces looking at us. Well, I didn't pretend I was British. I didn't speak English mm. uh, to them. I was just smiling. And uh, at that time, of course, we've been all smoking because that kind of keeps you busy. And um, we've been invited at the table and Greenham Common were a real hero in the Soviet Union because they've been against American nuclear missiles, okay? Right. Right. Um, and uh, it, it was it was not direct uh, televised program, but it was TV there and everything mm. was. We've been, I don't remember if we've been offered caviar, but coffee and chocolates, you know, and all kinds of stuff. And Soviet's been sitting uh, on one side and we've been sitting on the other side of very long table, just four of us. And Soviet started and they've been talking about the impact to peace. And then it was our turn. And I remember I kicked Jim McAllister and said, I'm the last. Uh, and when it was my turn, everybody been looking at me with, you know, smiling. And I said, and just perfect Russian. What was my name, who I was. It was much more dramatic than it was in the, in the film. It was so chaotic. First of all, it was shock. So mm. I could talk about our programs, about people-to-people -people diplomacy. We had a very elaborated program. And then uh, her Hardin started banging at the table and screaming that he's the master, only he can allow or not allow uh, people to talk here. And he is not allowing me to talk. And, mm -hmm all kinds of stuff. 
uh, green economy women who had a lot of harassment in their own country been absolutely mm. like, what, what, what's going on? Mm. You know, how it can be? Because peace committee always portrayed themselves as a grassroots, uh, you know, what masters, excuse yeah. us. Um, well, um, I took some time. Yeah, in, in the film, I'm sitting uh, like a stone with a cigarette. That's how I felt. I was kind of frozen. And I said, um, it may sound strange, but it looks like only I can um, end this commotion. And I'm for dialogue rather than against dialogue. Yeah. And that's why uh, I'm leaving. So you can discuss our common issues. Mm. And I told my uh, Grenham Common friends that if I'm not waiting for them at the garden in front of the Soviet Peace Committee, it means I am arrested. I wasn't arrested that moment. I was arrested later and it was revenge mm. for this invasion. And then when uh, Jean and uh, Anne and Carmen left Soviet Peace Committee, maybe half an hour later or something like that, they've been in terrible shock. I had to hold their hands to cross the street because they, they, they just been, they absolutely didn't expect anything like that. They also been tortured by the fact that they've been sent with a peaceful mission to the Soviet Union to bring another peaceful, uh, you know, um, mission from back from the Soviets and it was innocent but peaceful and it isn't in the movie it's not even in the book but I remember that very well when they told me Olga we don't think we can tell this story because we came here uh, with a mission of peace and we are coming back it's innocent but peaceful mm. message well, I got not in my belly at that point. And I said, you girls do what you have to do. But you need to know that in this case, I would be eaten alive. Yeah. And they, they realized that. And they've been really good comrades. So they went to journalists. Everything was in, in their foreign newspapers. And they... Uh, when later on uh, in, in the fall, I was put, like I was indicted and in March of 84, I was on trial. They've been doing wonders uh, to save me. And they've been holding demonstrations and seating demonstration in Soviet embassy in London. Uh, and I didn't even know how much they did for me because at that point, very little news would come back to Russia. Uh, but that was amazing. So as you see from the film, well, of course, I wasn't indicted for peaceful mission. I was indicted for beating policemen. As you can see, like I was growing my muscles <laughs> all my life. Um, what else? There is very much, very little creativity um, in KGB. Mm. Um, but I got... Uh, I was facing for three years in prison and I was with dry bread and whatever 
woolen socks, whatever is on the list, what you can um, leave in my um, son behind. Um, and the, my lawyer, who was a brilliant lawyer, he said, what do you need me for? Your term is predetermined. I said, I want you to defend me like that I did not commit that hooliganism I was accused in. The rest I'll do myself. And then he learned that I'm pregnant and he said, you have to have abortion. Do you know that Soviets have special uh, mother's camps? They called Mamkine Lageria, where uh, if pregnant women are um, sentenced, you deliver your baby, uh, the baby would be sent to the mainland and you wouldn't see the baby for years. Mm. But as we know, I didn't do an abortion and I have wonderful daughter, Marsha. Mm. Uh, but I was on trial when I was about five months pregnant. Um, and I got a probation, I was facing three years in prison. I got a probation sentence, which I totally did not expect because never ever political trial would end up in this way in the Soviet Union. But I think um, the fact, first of all, this awareness in different countries, you know, peace activists, human rights activists, uh, Green and Common women, four first secretaries of US, British, Australian, and Canadian embassies been standing in front of the court building. Of course, nobody was allowed in. Um, and also my pregnancy, which allowed them to, to save their face. Mm. I think that's um, changed the course of my life. Hmm. I you think just that... have to think when you ask me the questions because uh, I was making a living by talking, uh, by lecturing. So I just... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd love to be in some some of your lectures. Uh, I'm gonna, that I think it takes us to a point to have a quick break for our audience and then we'll be right back with Olga Medvedkov uh, and the film is Mothers of the Revolution. You're listening to Factual America. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Alamo Pictures to keep up to date with new releases or upcoming shows. Check out the show notes to learn more about the program, our guests, and the team behind the production. Now back to Factual America. Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with Olga Medvedkov. Mothers of the Revolution is the film released in October on various digital platforms. Um, and Olga, we were just, uh, you're regaling us, I, if that's the right word, actually. This, this, this story, this incredible story, it must have been, you, you act very calm, but I, I can only imagine how afraid you must have been when this was all happening. Um, being, you know, whether you'd see your son again, you had a, this, your, as you now know, a daughter on the way. So, I mean, that, that, and, and thanks to Grenham Common Women and others, uh, your case became high profile and that helped, well, as you, I think, as you've said, that's, that's the reason you were able to get a suspended, one reason you were able to get a suspended right. sentence. Um, now, I think as the film documents that, that um, this also corresponded with a, a time of, of, of great change that was about to commence 
in the Soviet Union. We know Gorbachev uh, came to power in 85. Um, we had the Reagan-Gorbachev summits in the late, through the late 80s. Um, and now, and then eventually, the wall fell down. Eventually. The, the wall came down. The Berlin Wall came down. And then the Soviet Union uh, came to an end in uh, 91 with the failed uh, putsch. Um, what do you think about all that you and uh, your your this group for building trust and that you've achieved when you look back, you know, on 30 years, 30 to 40 years later. Uh, it's interesting. My husband is sure that we contributed to the fall of the Soviet empire. I'm far from thinking like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, let me just give you some short story. Um, it was written in um, by a very prominent Soviet dissident of Vladimir Bukovsky. Mm. Uh, every year in December, dissidents would get together, take off their hats in one of the major um, squares in the center of Moscow. And they would be just to give their respect to uh, the victims mm. of the regime. And one day, Old Babushka approached them and she said, look, I live right there. And in my window, every December, I see what's happening. You come in here, you're arrested, not even five minutes after that. Why are you doing that? You cannot change anything. Yeah. And he said, maybe we cannot change the system, but we are here. So system wouldn't change us. And you know, until now, I have goosebumps when mm. I'm saying that. If more people resisted like that to the Soviet regime, it would be a different country now. It's been mm. really exciting. I was bringing my students uh, to Russia uh, with a colleague of mine who is a policy prof uh, five times uh, in 90s. It was absolutely amazing. It was so interesting. I was running with my eyes on top of my head. I could mm. not sleep. I was watching political programs on TV until five in the morning. My friends uh, been um, uh, advisors to Yeltsin. Yes, it was very difficult economically. People yeah. didn't have yeah. much food. Yeah. And of course, on Russians, okay, on one side we have this democracy, on the other side we cannot buy a loaf of bread. What's more important? Mm -hmm. And of course, it's not everybody can, uh, you know, sacrifice uh, things, and it's very, very tough. Um, but 90s been incredibly interesting, and it was a hope that Russia would take more. Democracy cannot be imposed from the top, as we all mm -hmm. know, not all but at least in this audience, we're probably aware of that. Yes. Uh, it's also a process. It's a long process. And it's probably several steps backward, one step forward. Hmm. Uh, but in 90s, it was the light. I even got Fulbright to teach. I was teaching there in 2003, the whole semester during winter. My husband thought I'm totally crazy, which um, partially he's probably right. <laughs> But I thought 
I can bring something for the students there because education system was collapsing. It's another yeah. story. Yeah. But uh, when a colleague of mine uh, and I brought students last time to Moscow in the summer of 2008, it was right before Soviet invasion into Georgia. Um, after that invasion, I said, I'm not interested in yeah. the country is going in different direction. So I just thought we did contribute to some free thinking, not only thinking, but also mm -hmm. expression. Uh, you see in this movie that people already, um, it was the very end of the 90s, beginning of this century, express, expressing themselves freely. Uh, you mentioned that Gorbachev came in 2005. Uh, we've been uh, expelled in 2006. We've been given 48 hours. Mm -hmm. We could pack two pieces of luggage for each person and um, 90 bucks per person. So we started from zero. The only thing I said, I'm not leaving without my parents because it looks like now it's been changes already, but in 2006, nobody felt it. I mean, in 86, I'm sorry, yes. in, it was in uh, 1986, senior moment. Um, <laughs> at that point, you're living forever. You'll never see yeah. your family. And they said, oh, take them with you. And I said, my goodness, I could have maybe picked up a couple of friends who have mm. been facing imprisonment, you know? So we left in 48 hours. That was 86. And Gorbachev came in 85. Only in 87, some changes uh, started. And most of all in 89. Mm. But during second half of 80s, people from our group been arrested. I remember mm. that one uh, woman lost her child to uh, social services because she wasn't supposedly raising uh, the child in socialist ideals. That was in 86. So those changes been coming slowly. Hmm. And then unfortunately with Putin regime, it's all rolling back. But when they invaded Georgia, guess what? I applied for Fulbright to teach in the country of Georgia. But it was before the invasion. Yeah. And then the invasion stuck, and I said, oh, who is going to give me Fulbright going to war zone? But they did. So I was teaching the whole semester in Georgia, and then I brought my students next year to Georgia. Mm. So I was trying to do my people-to-people -people diplomacy on the mm. ground with my students uh, as much as I could. So do, I mean, you've, you've already answered, uh, it was because I was going to ask you what you think about, I mean, there's so many things I'd love to ask you, but uh, about the current uh, situation in uh, Russia specifically, but mm -hmm. I mean, what is it, you must have flashbacks when you see things like uh, Navalny and these, yeah. these court cases that happen that are all I just know. trumped up. It does right. seem like it, like uh, going back in time. Um is there a hope? I mean, I was going to ask you about your fears, but is is there hope there? Do you do you see? Do you have any glimmers of hope in terms of, um, what what where Russia could 
could possibly head? Uh, I had those hopes in the 90s. Yeah. Now those hopes are fading because the regime is changing. People are becoming, again, complacent. Uh, they live better. Uh, and, you know, I just don't know. Also, demographically, Russia is aging. There is very little young energy there. And the youngsters, most of all, trying to make money, which how can you blame them? Because their yeah. parents couldn't make any, right, under the Soviets. Uh, I hope so, but I'm afraid it'll take much longer than we thought mm. um, living through, through the 90s. Mm. And of and course, while Putin is there, yeah. uh, nothing is going to change. Yeah. And do you think, I mean... Uh, and as someone, given what the role you played during the, uh, the Soviet Union, during the Cold War, and now you're living in Ohio, there's a lot of talk of another Cold War, uh, the U.S. And, and China. Right. Um, does that something that uh, that you give thought to or makes you pause and, and gives you yeah, worries? Yeah, of course. And one of the reasons, you know, um, I'm not, I wasn't given interviews to everybody, but somehow uh, March Breyer, she, she just touched my heart. She's young mm -hmm. and she's so uh, full of energy and she's just full of goodness. Mm -hmm. And also the world is facing possibly another nuclear crisis, as you said, China and of course, North Korea. and. And I've mm. been in China many times. And um, well, and I could not help but not compare China and development in China with development in Russia. Yeah. Uh, I've also been in South Africa. Somehow I'm going to all those transitional areas because yeah. I'm drawn to them. Just see how people make in transition. Um, yeah, chi China, it, it, it is scary. It is scary. Um, of course, uh, economically, they're doing much better. And even, um, you know, farmers who live in, mm. in small, like faraway corners, doing much better. But again, there is so much suppression in Tibet, in, in a bigger country. I was yep. on the Silk Road and I was in Tibet. And of course, mm. uh, it's just, it just breaks your heart. Mm. And it's so easy now to, uh, to indict uh, Muslim people in terrorism when they're actually mm. against um, Han invasion into their culture because they yeah. look anything but Han Chinese. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a lot of suppression, of course. Yeah, yeah. And what do you think about the U.S.'s role in all this? Because this is the other, you know, it's it's uh, it's interesting. I think even going back, if you look at Grenham Common, I mean, I think a lot, certainly in Western Europe, it was very sort of mostly anti-U.S. Right. focused. Un right. And some of those feelings are certainly understandable. But, uh, um, but then 
you have now again a similar situation that you know I'm, I'm i'm an american but i'll be the first to say the u.s is you know it's it has its ills as well but um okay. of course but uh you know how how do you you have this interesting perspective of someone who's grown up lived in the soviet union have emigrated moved well you emigrated you were forced to leave the soviet union yeah. end up in the u.s and now you you see a similar situation arising again that's right i just hope that with a new administration which is not that you anymore right it's one yeah. one year in we may use more diplomacy than um you know, this agitation and terrible division inside the country and on the global scale. I tell you that four years of Trump, I was simply suffering. Yeah. I was simply suffering. I just could not believe it can happen in the United States, but it did. And it's not only Trump, uh, uh, he's just an appalling uh, figure, but it's also basically half of population that been following him. And I, I, I understand a lot of reasons for that. A lot of people, particularly I live in Midwest, a lot of people in the middle of America have been forgotten. Yeah. They've been disregarded. You know, yeah. Democratic yeah. Party sounded more like party of coastal areas, east yeah. and west. Who knows what's yeah. in between? So there are a lot of reasons for that. But it may be you may look into that and you may try to help it or you may try to make this division even bigger than it is and make people angry and move that anger in really destructive way. And uh, destruction doesn't help. Yeah. Destruction doesn't help. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it, is, it is sad. It's not, of course, simple as we all understand but i just hope that we can reestablish our position american position in the world uh in better terms and be leading rather than destroying what was built before hmm. um but again connections with china look at us almost everything we're using is made in china hmm. and economically for the US, it's advantageous, particularly for big companies yeah. to build things uh, in China. Um, but it should be some incentives in this country. So mm. some companies will come back. And also during this pandemic, which is going to be with us for a while, we realized that if chips are not produced in this country, cars cannot be produced either mm. so it's it's complicated also mm. our relationship with uh saudi arabia it's mm. complicated why we support this regime oil but we have more oil that we can can use to burn this planet mm. uh yeah america is a great country and i love it but it doesn't mean i like everything what's happening yeah, yeah. and uh I can tell you're a geographer as someone, who, <laughs> as someone who's an economist by background, but that's another, another story. Um, uh -huh. What was it like seeing you yourself in a movie? 
you know, uh, initially, Helena sent me this uh, private link so I could watch uh, this film at home. Mm. And my son is in Ohio. My, my daughter is in New York. So uh, we watched together with my husband and my son this film. And it's also, it's a lot of pictures from archives of Mike and my husband. And I didn't mm. tell my son that he will see himself there. Yeah. Yeah. So we watched that and I, I, I hadn't realized that it wouldn't be just some small documentary shown somewhere all of a sudden. Mm. It's part of annual British Film Festival. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I never even thought about that. And my son said, let's go. And next week I was going to New York to visit my daughter and my granddaughter. My granddaughter is like one year old right now. And my daughter, Masha, I watched it with them, with that private link. Sorry, Helen, yeah. I had to show it to my daughter. <laughs> um, and she was like, she was in my belly yeah. when I was standing that trial. And she said, let's go. Mm. And three of us went to this festival. Excellent. And um, I was very emotional. Not mm -hmm. only to see the film together on the big screen, but to see Carmen and mm. to see Rebecca. And Rebecca visited us in 85. And Marsha was already born and she remembered uh, Mike and Marsha. And Carmen saved photo of Mike with our cat, Tiger. We call mm -hmm. him Tigrasha for all these years. And she didn't misplace it. I would. And she yeah. brought it to Mike and she gave it to him. And also, um, watching this film where half of the audience been participants in this movement because half of the people been green and common women mm. who've been sitting there and watching and their reaction. It's not like, uh, it's great to watch James Bond, but nobody would relate to what's happening, right? Yeah. But these people been related. It was like, it was amazing. It was very, very powerful. Wow. And that... then we had Q&A. And of course, I didn't have that much time for my age. <laughs> it was very, very short. <laughs> but it, but it was, was great. But it was, I guess, a big, had it been that, had this been the first time you saw, reunited with some of these women since? Exactly. exactly. Oh, that's amazing. It was amazing. And Absolutely also amazing. Carmen brought her daughter and our uh, kids got connected. Uh, it was just fantastic. That's lovely. I almost feel like that's where we should end, but I, I, I'll i give the final word to you, Olga. What, any last words of wisdom you want for our, our to leave with our audience? You know, the world is so unsettled right now. And I look on younger generation and so many youngsters just disenchanted, mm. you know, nuclear proliferation looming over our heads, uh, cl climate change, which is affecting everybody, uh, division, more racism, anti-immigrant, not even sentiment, sentiments would be an understatement. And people might get, young people might get just frustrated. Nothing we can do about that. Let's just go into our small niche and just survive mm. somehow. 
And you look at those three women in wells and their kitchen and how they started. And it is possible. Mm. You can do it, guys. And sorry, you inherited such a mess. But we also lived in a very messy um, situation. So you can do it. You can mm. take it on and do it. I think that's a perfect way to end what I think was a lovely and hopefully perfect interview. Uh, Olga, thank you so much for coming on. I should give you a big... Well, it was a joy. Uh, The film's Mothers of the Revolution. It was released in October on digital uh, platforms. So I should give you a big spasiba balshaya. And... Mm -hmm. uh, um, Yeah. No problem, because uh, my Russian's extremely rusty, rusty, but I did manage to go to the Soviet Union uh, as a student back in 1980, 1988. Uh-huh. So Sorry we missed each other. We missed each other. I was in <laughs> Moscow for a few weeks, and the rest of the summer was in, uh, back then. It was was it Le- Moscow, Moscow State? No, it was Elgeu. I went to Leningrad State. Uh-huh. So we, went, uh-huh. we flew into... Cool. Yeah, we went flew into Moscow and then uh, train overnight train to Leningrad and then mm-hmm. studied at LGU. Yeah. So right. um, I, I went to MGU. You went to MGU, so mm-hmm. so we're at your rival university, so to, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think so. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> so I just want to give another big thanks to Olga Medvedkov. Um, who was a peace activist during the uh, Soviet period and now uh, lives in the United States, but is one of the subjects featured in Mothers of the Revolution, an NBC Universal film that released in October. I want to give a big shout-out to Sam and Joe at Intersound Audio in Eskrik, England. A big thanks to Nevena Paunovic, our podcast manager at Alamo Pictures, who ensures we continue getting such great guests like Olga onto the show. And finally, a big thanks to our listeners. As always, we love to hear from you, so please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas, whether it is on YouTube, social media, or directly by email. And please remember to like us and share us with your friends and family, wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. This is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Almo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.